turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a new study in The Word. The series, in fact, is called The Word. This one book has sold more copies than any other book in the world. Number one bestseller today. Never left the top spot. But recent polls and studies say it's getting dustier as folks aren't picking it up as much. Pastor Sean reminds us of something the Word says. It's alive. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry right now, there's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today it's part two of a message called It's Alive in the series called The Word. Pastor Sean is in John chapter 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The point of the word isn't the information it delivers, but the transformation it demands. The point of the word isn't the information it delivers. And there's some great information, great historical understanding, great spiritual lessons. And that's all true. That's fine. The point of the word, listen, isn't the information it delivers, but the transformation it demands. See, the word is all about life change. Did you know that? When I go before the word, I am presenting myself to be changed, to be transformed. You see, the word speaks, it reveals, it convicts, it gets inside you. That's the design. It gets inside your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's in you. An article in Live Science reported that 16-year-old Adrian Locatelli, is a French high school student, transcribed parts of the Hebrew book of Genesis and the Arabic language Quran into DNA and injected them into his body. One text into each thigh, which is how you would do that, of course. Okay, first of all, I'm just like, well, either this is the dumbest kid in the world or the smartest kid in the world. I don't know. goes on to say DNA is just a long molecule that can store information. Mostly it stores the information living things use to go about their business. But it can be used to store just about any kind of information that can be written down. Didn't know that. A whole world of possibilities just opened up for me. But this kid literally did this, injected this coded, encoded DNA with the book of Genesis and the Arabic version of the Quran, parts of the Quran, into each thigh. He explained, I did this experiment for the symbol of peace between religions and science. I think that for a religious person, it can be good to inject himself his religious text. Okay. I, I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the best way to do it. I'm, I'm like, dude, if you're going to ingest it, it's paper. Just tear out a page and eat it. That wouldn't be that hard. I mean, when I, but he's more scientific than I am, okay? He went on to say he didn't experience any significant health problems following the procedure, although he reported some minor inflammation around the injection site on his left thigh for a few days. Of course you would. You'd expect that. It's like he's missing the whole point, man, or the guy who tries to take it and eat it, whatever. It is supposed to get inside you, but no, no, it gets inside your heart. It gets inside your soul. 
your mind challenging you to become the Christ follower you were created to be. You understand God created you for something and he is doing a work in you and the word is his gift to bring about that transformation. That's the word of God. That's why it's living and active. Now, there are three unique transformative revelations of God's word that make it living and active and I wanna highlight those real quickly this morning. The first is the message of scripture. The message of the scriptures. That's what we're reading. That's what we're talking about. The, the, what God has said throughout history through the scriptures that have been handed down. His Holy Spirit inspired. They're God-breathed. His Holy Spirit oversaw the process of canonization and protected the scripture. It's God speaking, revealing his nature, his heart, and his intention. So pastor scripture I want you to see in your own copy of the Bible, whether it's electronic paper or whatever, Psalm 19. Okay, turn to Psalm 19 real quickly because it talks about that written word, the scripture. Psalm 19, beginning at verse seven. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, some of you may bristle at that because rules in general you have an allergy to. I understand that. Okay, I've attended the the support group meetings, okay? I get it. But he says the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then listen to why he says this. Listen to the passion he has for the word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. It's like he he loves it. The words are sweet on my lips. I'm so passionate for it. It's more valuable to me than gold. And then he says, moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. They're precious and valuable. All these are creative ways of describing the scripture, the message of scripture that has been handed down. In verse seven through nine, he lays out two very specific aspects of the scripture and he kind of uses them as parallels as he goes through this. The first aspect is what the scriptures are. And here's a list of what he says about the scriptures, what they are. They are perfect. They are perfect. They are without flaw. They are sure. In other words, they're trustworthy. They're right The scriptures are right in what they address. They are pure. And and another translation says they're radiant. They're so pure and brilliant. They're clean. And the word he uses is the same word used to talk about ceremonially clean. In other words, the implication of holiness. And they are true. They are true in all that they address. That's what we talked about last week. The word is divinely powerful because the word is divinely true. And that's what he says. So all these things, you want to know about these scriptures of ours? They're perfect, they're sure, they're right, they're pure, they're clean, they're true. But he doesn't just stop there. He tells us what they do. In these parallel kind of declarations that he's making, he tells us what they do. They revive the soul. I got to tell you, I relate to that one. They revive the soul. A lot of us are tired. And we've been through one heck of a year. We have been through pandemic and still wrestling with that. We've been through racial strife and 
upheaval and questioning, been through a horribly contentious and embarrassing election. We've been through all these things, and you just get tired. And that doesn't even include our personal stuff, right? That doesn't include my family stuff, my job stuff, you know, the stuff in my world, the people who I care about who are suffering. That doesn't include any of that. And you just get tired. And if you've ever been there where you've opened the word and all of a sudden, oh, it's just like water on your soul. It's refreshing. It revives my soul because I'm reminded, oh, there's a God. I'm reminded that these crazy voices that are proclaiming truth that is obviously and demonstrably false and ridiculous, they're not going to have the final word. There is an eternal and a true word, and it is refreshing for my soul. It gives me hope. It revives my soul. I get that. I've experienced that. Second thing he says, it makes wise the simple. Isn't that interesting? makes wise the simple. So many people in our culture, intellectuals and, and, and critical thinking and critical scholarship and academia and all these complexities and they change and they're so critical and so bombastic. And when you think, imagine a, a person who's just simple. Don't read and they're ignorant, but a simple person. And you know anybody like that who's just simple? They're just not swayed by all this stuff. Maybe they're not as plugged in as you might think. They just kind of live their life. But because of the word of God, there's a wisdom. And all around them is good fruit in their life, in their family, in their career, their profession. They just go, what is it, man? Their marriage. Everything about them is just good fruit because the scriptures, the word has made wise the simple. A simple man, a simple woman. But they have this deep wisdom. And while all of those who are so sophisticated and such experts kind of prattle on and what is the big thing today fades away and gives way to the big thing of tomorrow, those who walk in this wisdom of simplicity of the Word of God, the timeless truth that has transcended and outlasted all others, there's just something about that. That's what the Word does. It makes wise the simple causes rejoicing of the heart. Experience that one. Rejoicing of the heart. Oh God, I thank you that what we experience, what we see, all the stuff isn't all there is. It enlightens the eyes. In other words, I see things more clearly. I love this. It endures forever. He he talks about this. This word endures forever. And then last declares absolute righteousness. You want to know what absolute righteousness is? What right, the true rightness. The word of God declares it. See, there's what the word is and what the word does. And then in Romans 15, 4, we read this. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. He's talking about the scripture. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The scriptures are so rich and so deep because of that, they give us hope. Remember how 2 Timothy 3.16 described the Scripture? Profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, the message of Scripture is powerful. And we stand before it. It is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. See, the point of the word isn't the information it delivers, but the transformation it demands. Are you willing to let the word do its work in you? There's a second 
transformative revelation of God's Word, and that's the image of the sun. Turn to John chapter 1. This is such a great passage of Scripture. Some of you know where I'm going with this. Others, maybe you've never seen this, never, never read this passage before. Go there. This is really interesting. John chapter 1, the beginning of John's Gospel. Now remember, the Gospels are the story of Jesus from four different uh, of his followers, four different perspectives, four different kind of set of stories. Some of them are very similar. Others cover very different parts of Jesus' ministry. And this is where we take a quick break to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called It's Alive. It's in the series called The Word, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, It's Alive. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Here's the beginning of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says this, he was with God in the beginning. In other words, oh, you're talking about a person. This Word is a person you're talking about. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Who? The Word. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Wow, who could you say that about but God? But yet the word was with God. The word was God. Is this a bunch of double talk? Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. For in him was life, and and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What an incredible description of this person that is called the word of God. And then in verse 14, skip down there because John reveals who he's talking about. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John describes him as the living word, God's word, the scriptures, what God has spoken, revealing himself, showing us who he is. But now there's something else in this person, Jesus. He, the word now is made alive. We talk about, John mentions he is life and light. We're told he became flesh and lived among us. Why did he do that? There was a strategy involved. And it says, we have seen his glory. We've seen his glory, the glory of the word and the glory of the father. Look at verse 18. Skip down a few more verses. John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God. Listen, but the one and only son who is himself God 
and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Do you understand what we were just told? Jesus is what God looks like in a language that we could understand. If I were to sit here and take all the Old Testament scriptures and try, and, and they're, they're incredible. They're incredible in the descriptions of the Father and the way they describe his majesty, his holiness. You read in Ezekiel and you just see these pictures of heaven and you read in Genesis the words of creation and you, just all these passages. I could tell you lots about God, but we'd run out of words. I can't give you a picture of him because he's too big for our language. So what does God the Father do? In his wisdom, he sends his son, who is God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to walk and live among us. And all of a sudden, we have the words, but now we have a picture. In Jesus, we see what Father is like in a form that we can understand. We see his love with skin on it. We see his truth. We see his compassion. We see his judgment. We see all of it in a form that we can understand. God with skin on him. That's Jesus. That's why he's called the Word. He is the expression, the manifestation of the Word. You remember, not only do we see what God looks like, but we get to see what the Word looks like lived out. This is what we're supposed to look like. Do you understand? In Jesus, we get to go, okay, God, I know I, you're telling me all these things I'm supposed to do or whatever. Or not. I, you know, I, I, I need a picture. I need a demonstration. I love the long instructions, but man, just give me a YouTube video, okay? So I can see someone do it. And in that, we have Jesus. Because remember what Romans eight twenty nine tells us? That we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's what he is building in us. The character, the nature, the work of Jesus Christ in us. That's Friday night. The whole family was over, the kids and the grandkids. It was awesome. We had a blast. My grandson Judah gets the jigsaw puzzles out, right? How many of you like to do jigsaw puzzles? Yeah, jigsaw puzzles are fun, okay? He gets the jigsaw puzzles out, right? And we got these little Disney jigsaw puzzles for the kids. He's three, Judah's three. And, and that we keep them separate, you know, because you got to have the box top, but we didn't have the, we, we, Lori didn't want to keep the box top, so she took the picture off the front of the box top. We got the picture, okay, that is there so you can look at it and do the puzzle. Well, there's multiple of these puzzles. Judah gets them all and goes, we'll make one big one. Judah, what are you doing, man? I'm like, dude! Thankfully, because they're all the same color blue on the back, except Disney doesn't miss a beat. Thank you, Disney. Okay? Uh, Each puzzle had a different little pattern on the back. You couldn't see it right away, but when you look at the pieces, oh, okay, this puzzle had polka dots. This puzzle had stripes on the back. Thank you, God. Thank you, Disney. Okay? Judah, so I made him, so we had to sort them all out. We had the separate puzzles. And of course, we had the picture on the front. What good is a puzzle without the picture on the front? I mean, some people, maybe some real psychos want to do that. That's fine, whatever. Okay. I like the picture on the front. Again, show me how many hands who, who like jigsaw puzzles. You like jigsaw puzzles. Yeah, look at you guys. Yeah, I don't think I'm one of those people who likes jigsaw puzzles until someone else is doing a jigsaw puzzle, which, by the way, they asked me if I want to do, and I said, no, no, no. But then I walk by, and I notice they're missing, there's a piece that they're not finding. Oh, look, look, we can put that one there. See, it's the same color. Yeah, see, that was it. And then, oh, look at this one over here. And then before you, no, you should build the, build the flower first and then build Woody and Buzz. And then, no, move. You know how that goes, right? 
But the fun of it, the thing is the box top. You got to have the box top because that's what you're building. That's what you're putting together. Do you understand for our faith, Jesus is the box top. He's the picture. All these things we're being taught, all these things we're trying to understand. He is the image. God is building the image of Jesus in us. So that when we have the word of God and we go, I wonder what that looks like. Oh, Jesus. Do you know Jesus is found in all of the scriptures? Old Testament, New Testament. When you read, when you understand the story of Jesus, you understand Jesus Christ on the cross, giving his life for us. It's the sacrifice for sin. You understand he is the promised Messiah. You read those gospels and understand the life of Jesus. Then you go back and read Old Testament. You realize, oh my gosh, Jesus is in every book. Jesus is in every book. When you read about creation, oh, Jesus was there. When you read about the sacrificial system and the need because of our sin, oh, that's what Jesus is about. You read the prophecies of Messiah, oh, that's Jesus. And then you go in the New Testament. Well, the Gospels, duh, it's actually the story of Jesus. But then the New Testament letters, and you realize, oh my gosh, Paul is writing about Jesus and how now we can form these Jesus communities that are called the church. Oh, and then even the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is all about how Jesus is glorified and God brings it all to culmination with Jesus as the lamb on the throne. You find Jesus all through the Bible because he's the image that God is building us into. So when we understand that the point of the word isn't the information it delivers, but the transformation it demands, what he's talking about, he is in his power going to build the character and the nature and the beauty of Jesus in you and me. Isn't that awesome? That's what God's doing. Point of the word isn't the information it delivers, but the transformation it demands. And the last manifestation of this revelation I want to talk about is the guidance of the Spirit. The guidance of the Spirit. That's the third revelation of this truth, of the word that he gives us. On Jesus' final night with his disciples, we'll call it said the night he was betrayed, he, he said some things to them. In John chapter 14, verse 23 through 27, 26, listen to what he said. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and, he will come to him and, make our, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, uh, excuse me, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Notice we're talking about the word, Jesus' words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Listen, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And look at this, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Isn't that powerful, what the Holy Spirit's going to do with the Word? And then John 16, a few chapters later, still the same kind of evening, beginning at verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you understand that when we become followers of Jesus Christ, when we surrender our lives to him, we are filled with the Spirit. Not only did God give his timeless word that we can connect 
anchor to the truth of what he said. And he gave us this beautiful picture, the image of what God is and the image of what's being built in us in Jesus Christ. But he deposited the very spirit of Jesus in us to not only remind us of what the word said, but to empower us to do it. I'm sorry, that's just awesome. He has given us everything we need. That is the power of the word. That is how the word is alive and active. That's how the word kind of penetrates deep into the heart and soul, divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, how it judges the attitudes and the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. The spirit teaches, he reminds what Jesus said, he guides us in all truth, he declares the things to come, he glorifies Jesus. See, when we take in the word, the written word, if we see it through the lens of Jesus Christ and we're filled with the Spirit, he declares that word and he empowers us to live it every day. Here's our part. We just have to say yes. We just have to come to the word and instead of trying to get the word to fit into what we want, instead of trying to look for that thing that backs up the point we made the other day, so I can say, you know what? I'm fine doing what I'm doing. I don't need to change anything because the Bible says so. I just got real Southern there, didn't I? Sorry. You know how we get. Instead, I need to come before the word humbly, recognizing that this word is alive and active, given by God. Jesus is the image, and the Holy Spirit is working to bring this word to life in me. I come to the word with a humility and an openness. See, the secret is to say yes. I need to approach the word with a heart to be changed because the point of the word is in the information it delivers but the transformation it demands that's pastor sean azaro you've been listening to reaching for real life radio and if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called the word it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org and we'd also love to hear from you on our contact page or even better your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue please find that donate tab at reachingforreallife.org but of course you're invited to visit and join us at river city community church Located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.